This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Ergel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. I'm so excited to have Joy Rohde today. Joy is the wife of Andrew Rohde, Offensive Coordinator at Morningside University. Thank you so much for being a part of us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Coach Rohde at Morningside University finished undefeated, a number one ranking throughout the entire season. They've had 25 consecutive wins and now a one seed in the tournament. 2018 and 2019 NAIA national champions. I read where the offense averaged 50 points per game. What do you think contributes to Coach Rohde getting guys to perform at such a high level? You know, I've listened to the podcast before and I feel like a lot of the same things come up um, and everyone works so hard, but I think what the two things I really thought about was he is smart. He's really smart at game scheming. I think that Andrew has a gift of like an eye to see what needs to happen in the moment. And you know, that I think I've heard that from other people, but it's just something that I've like been more confident in, especially coming here and coming into this really good program. Um, and then also Andrew's such a behind the scenes guy. He doesn't, he's not super charismatic. He's definitely not a yeller or screamer and he isn't like someone that's super, I don't know that the guys are going to like quote or something, I guess necessarily, but he is such a behind the scenes guy doing intentional conversations with those guys. And he, if, if he gains their trust, then they'll do anything for him. So he's really intentional about that. Absolutely incredible. So my next question is typically, where did you grow up? And did you ever see yourself as a coach's wife? But I know the answer to the first part of that, because Joy and I actually have known each other for, we won't say how long, because it's going to reveal how old I am. You you don't have to be ashamed of your age, <laughs> but for quite some time. So tell me a little bit about life growing up a little bit. Yeah. So I grew up um, technically in Mississippi but it's like right over the state line of Tennessee and really close to Memphis. So that's how we know each other is the Memphis area and um, church and all of those things. But, uh, but yeah, it was just me and my four siblings and we were actually homeschooled. We all did sports. We all did music, those sorts of things. My dad, I think because it was homeschool sports was more volunteer based. My dad coached me for a while and actually, my senior year, my sister coached me, which is kind of hilarious. Um, Very but, cool. So I actually do have this kind of perspective about coaching, you know, kind of built into my life. I remember having little things of drama or parents and whatever, which was tricky because they were like my friend's parents. But so I definitely got a taste of it. I don't have not have said that I would have guessed I would have been a coach's wife. I guess I never even really thought about it. Um definitely not football because we were not a football family we didn't even watch football I don't really know anything about football um and then when me and Andrew got together I was like I need to learn about football (laughs) Uh, but obviously it's not as big of a deal now and I have picked it up over the years but yes now I I will say I we 
figured out today how long we've known each other, but uh, you were four and I was eight. But um, it's funny that now mm-hmm. the years don't seem that much <laughs> far. Uh, I know. Was I eight? No, I think I was a little older than that. I would have been. Uh, well, yeah, we're eight years. Uh, yeah, we're eight years, we're eight years apart. You were yeah. friends with my oldest sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was 12. So, yeah, I felt like you were so cool. Older sister, friend. Uh, and, and but, yeah, cool, now we're but... <laughs> <four> years. <laughs> Hey, I like it. She thinks I'm cool. Okay, so I actually yeah, don't I know do. this piece of the story, which is how did you meet Coach? Oh, yeah. Um, we met through, uh, well, my brother and sister worked with him at a can- Cut camps, and they're in Branson, Missouri. And my brother worked with him for a summer, and then both of them worked with him the next summer. And it was kind of this running joke of like, you should marry our younger sister or I guess my brother's like you can marry my sister and I'll marry your sister and it was like this sarcastic kind of joke between them and then I guess Jonathan showed Andrew a picture of me and he was like well actually I do want to meet your sister so uh yeah so we really like just I was in school in a little school in Mississippi playing in college playing college basketball and then he was fresh out of college and he was just starting um, at Anderson University in Indiana. He was just like an assistant fresh out of college coaching. And he really just called me up, um, wow. which is so out of character for him. Um, yeah, he just called me. Oh, I think we connected on Facebook, but then, yeah, he just called me and uh, we just started talking on the phone and it was you know, I think during season. So it'd be like, sometimes he'd call me and then, you know, two weeks later he would call me. And (laughs) so we just kind of, I just kept it real surfacey. Like, I think he might be pursuing me, but I don't really know because I don't want to count on that and then be disappointed. Um, And he seems kind of sporadic, obviously not really realizing what football season entailed. So really he was spending a lot of time calling me. I just didn't really know, but I was busy with school and so that December, my Jonathan was my brother was actually graduating from college in December and kind of used an excuse to like come down for his graduation. So he flew to Memphis wow. and we met in the airport for the first time in person after we had talked for like three months. So that was like a smidge awkward because it was like that. Yeah. I don't know. We just we talked about like the hug was awkward, like we hugged that it was weird and so and then he was quiet in the car and we were both just kind of like oh my gosh I hope this isn't like such an awkward weekend but I guess in our minds like if it didn't go well he still already knew my brother and sister so at least we could all just hang out and part ways but at the end of the weekend we did find out that um yeah he stayed at my parents house (laughs) we found out by the end of the weekend that we did want to keep pursuing it he still was like really low-key about it Andrew's just like such a private like he internalizes thoughts so I was just kind of like dying I was dying I'm like could you tell me please if you like me or not but he just wouldn't and so I just felt like that lasted forever but really in the end it wasn't a long period of time before he asked my dad if he I think he asked my dad if he could date me which is really sweet so he we started dating, but we were still long distance. I mean, he was Indiana. I was in Mississippi, eight hours difference. So we actually started meeting halfway in this little town in Illinois called, it was not a town. It was a park called Rend Lake. That was literally all that was there. And it was four hours for me and four hours for him. So some certain Saturdays we would drive and meet halfway for the day. 
and then we would drive back. So I would wow. drive four hours there and then four hours that night. And we would just hang out. And I think we did that a couple times. And then basically like the whole thing of meeting, we were engaged by like a year. So wow. the next Christmas, I guess. And then we got married, like we got engaged in December and we got married the next May. So really we did not date for that long, but I think with the family connection of just him, I don't know. I already felt like I could trust him. And then we just talked so much. You didn't really have that like, you know, fluffy time of just like watching shows together or something. It's like, we just had all these talks, you know? Mm. So that's our story. And kind of crazy. I just got married and moved to Illinois with him. Wow. <laughs> not really. Honestly, I don't really feel like I knew him at all. I mean, I did, but like I knew the core of him. I you know his character, but I'm like, there's so many things about him I didn't know. It's just, I don't know that I would recommend that. I mean, it was a rough time for me, but. That's <laughs> but, incredible. You know, I, moved, I like graduated college, moved to Illinois, all these things in the same like month. Oh my goodness. But, um, but it was just, yeah, it was, it was right. And we, it honestly has been great. I mean, our marriage is as ups and downs, but it's all been it's been good incredible so you go from <laughs> that's our story that's precious I didn't actually know that story so you go in Indiana and then what are some of your stops you've been well so he was in Indiana but that was he coached there and then he started coaching at a school called Greenville College in Greenville Illinois it's really close to St. Louis and that was his first GA job and um, that's when we got married. So he was a GA there for a year before we got married. And so he kind of already had a little community going there. It was a tiny town, um, which I was like, what is this? Mm. <laughs> you know, but I ended up loving the town and um, or just the community that we had there. And then the head coach left. He ended up kind of moving on up to the offensive coordinator there. And then he ended up taking, so we were there for four years. He ended up taking this job in Ann Arbor, Michigan and at Concordia University in Ann Arbor. And we lived there for five years and that's where we recently moved from. So that we moved from there this last April, right in the middle of COVID. And so here we are in Sioux City, Iowa. Wow. That's, that's our story so far. So really we haven't moved a ton, I guess, but it's enough. <laughs> Definitely. And you know. three children. Uh, I know you've worked some, you've stayed home some. How do you find a job in a new town and balance all this raising three kids? Right. Well, I've always kind of struggled with that piece because we have both wrestled with me staying at home with kids. And it's like, you know, we need the money, but we also see the value in me staying home with the kids. So that's always been a struggle ever since we had our oldest. Um, but what ended up happening in Michigan was you know, it's all about the people I meet. I'm just like super relational. So I feel like random things have come up through that. So the, whenever we were in Michigan, they asked, <clears throat> I was kind of just baby, I was doing some babysitting at home and those sorts of things, like just watching different kids. And that was like, not my thing. So learned that not going to keep doing that. Um, but it ended up, we ended up getting involved in a church and I, was serving on the worship team and then they the main guy moved and they asked if I would take it over so I ended up being a worship leader at this church um kind of but I was able to still stay home and do those things and then Andrew could you know watch the kids on Sundays which was a little crazy because 
he had his thing on Saturday and it was like Sunday was my thing. So it was a really sweet, special thing that we had at the church yeah. and everything, but it also was, a, it had its crazy, it had its crazy moments, but, and so, yeah, here I'm, it's kind of like, I'm in the same boat trying to figure out how can I support and here and there, but then also stay home with kids. So I guess I'm still navigating it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of women that are listening to this probably have those same thoughts where, gosh, I would like to help out financially, but when you have kids, it's hard to do all that balancing. Um, but the fun days mm-hmm. are game day. So what's a home game look like for you? Do you get to the stadium really early or you just, do you tailgate? What's your normal routine look like? Yeah. Well, at Concordia, at the last school we were at, they tailgated after the game which is like something, it was kind of cool. They basically like would feed the players after the game. And then any of the parents who wanted to tailgate, they could tailgate. And so that actually worked because it was like, we were already there. And then Mm -hmm. we kind of, the kids would get to eat cookies or whatever were there left over. And we would talk to different parents or just hang out. And, but here they do tailgate before the game, but they didn't do it this year because of COVID. So I really don't know exactly you know, it was just a strange year. I haven't gotten a mm-hmm. full experience yet. Um, I think I would do that, especially the kids are getting a little older. You know, there's they're six, three, and one, so just like naps and. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm I'm all about taking them everywhere, but I'm also trying to like not kill myself. I'm the <laughs> one managing them, like I take them with me, but um, yeah, so I have to kind of like pick my battles. So if someone needs like a morning nap, I'm probably not going to get to the game super early or I'm coming up late, you know, but if like they can nap at the game, then I'll get there earlier to make sure I get a seat. But we've been at small school. So for the most part, I can kind of just roll up whenever, you know, I mean, I can find a place. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) I do think it'll be different here and like a normal experience. The stadium's a little bit bigger and more people come to the game. So maybe that will change. We'll see. Now, do you try to travel to the away games? I think it would be super hard with the kids that little. Do you ever do that? Well, most of the games here are pretty local, so that's been nice. Uh, So I've, you know, if they're like a couple hours away, we go to that. And there's also this really sweet couple. He's the football chaplain here, and his wife and him have, like, really kind of adopted us. Um, And they – this one fun thing we got to do this year is they had an RV Oh, and they wow. went to one of the games and invited us to come ride in the RV to go to the game. It was like, oh, it was like one of those moments, like we had goodness. just moved here and I was like crying. Cause I'm like, thank you. You just don't know how much easier this is for me. Yes. Like, oh my goodness. That's so my kid's that dream. Was, yeah. Oh, it was like, yeah. Then we could just come hang out in the RV after the game or whatever. So yeah. So we've done a little bit of that. They do have some further away games that I, always consider going um but yeah it just depends on time of year how cold it is I mean here it can snow at games so it's like do I want to bundle my kids up in snow pants and gloves and have them cry halfway through the game you know so <laughs> it's, it's not what that's true yes pick, you know? I know you know you've talked about it highs and lows of coaching college football moving kids all of that what say has been the toughest adversity that you both have faced and what did you rely on to get through those moments well I would say this transition well actually go back a little bit whenever Andrew knew that it was kind of time to move on he was unsettled 
I don't know if you've experienced just like seeing your husband just unsettled is Mm. drink. It's just hard because I was thriving. I was in like my best spot and Mm. he wasn't. And so it's kind of, it's that I'm torn of like, I don't really want us to find something else because I want to stay here. But then also I don't want to stay here with a husband who's struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. and feeling like it's time to move on. It wasn't bad. It just like, you just kind of know when it's like the next thing is coming for him. He's never been like a move up the ladder kind of guy. Um, But I do think that, you know, God has directed his steps and there's just different places that he's had him go and it was time for him to move on. So I think letting go of where we were was, has been, I mean, it's really hard for me, which then was hard for him to make that decision. And it was, um, a lot of nights, just pros and cons and sitting there and talking. And I think in the end, I just had to trust what he, well, I prayed a lot. I was like, God, you just have to tell me you have to tell me because I just need to know what the right, I need for me to know what the right thing is so that I don't become bitter Mm. because that is one thing that's really easy to get in coaching is bitterness just because they're not there or they're, you can look at it like, Oh, they're moving me all over the place, but I just don't really like to look at it that way. I like to look at it like we're making this decision because we are, I mean, he's never going to do something that I don't want to do. But at the same time, I may not be always super comfortable with it, but I trust his motives of why he's doing it and his decision making. And that was a big test for me is this move is to trust him because I and that like I God just gave me the word submit and like submit has a really like bad, you know, rep to it of like you just need to submit to your husband biblically, which I think is true. But it was kind of like a really deep submission for me. Like if I'm submitting to him in this moment, I'm submitting. This is a gift to God that I'm doing this. Like I'm submitting to God basically. Mm -hmm. And he's going to, he's going to bless that. And he really has, there's been, I mean, it definitely has not been like a mate, you know, everything perfect, but he's just provided so much. And that shows that, yeah, it's, it was good. It was, it was okay. It was the right, I think we could have stayed. I think we could have gone. I think there's been, sometimes where it's like, it's definitely time to go. And for me, it was like, I think we could stay, but I think Mm -hmm. we also could go. And it has, it has shown that going seems like has been the better thing, even though it continues, it continues to have its ups and downs. Um, But yeah, I think that that trust factor and really just, I, in the transition, whenever we, you know, how fast it is, it's like, okay, in four weeks, we're moving. So Mm. (laughs) I just, cried probably for like three weeks like I'm just I'm gonna be honest like I struggled I put my roots down deep into your soil and I was just grieving and I just like even when I was packing when he was here I'm packing the house up by myself I just like still got up at 6 a.m and went down our basement and just like worshiped and cried and I'm mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's the sound of a sunny afternoon Cause I just had to do that. I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like it was just such a big loss. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know it's like so many people have had bigger losses, but for me, it was like, felt like I was kind of leaving my family again. So wow. it's just what we found through that church. Um, mm. Your presence is my residence. It will always feel like home. 
but there's been such a blessing that's come from like just putting that trust in Andrew and I think that's something that has like really blessed our marriage is just like me seeing his heart is in a good place and just choosing to trust that so yeah I guess in a nutshell that's that's it and I think what you've described here um, is something very hard for us to open up to and talk about, but it's so very true. It's very powerful words that you spoke and the fact that sometimes I, our husbands are unsettled. They know that they're supposed to take the next step, but we as wives are like, whoa, we're great here. The kids are great. Everyone is you know, nestled into all of their mm-hmm. things. And we feel God's provision in this area, in this area, in this area. And it's, it's challenging. Um, but what you said is mm-hmm. the word submit, like submitting to God and that, you know, our heart, okay, God, you know, you're going to handle these details. And um, mm-hmm. I think you really spoke to our hearts and the fact that, yeah, it's really easy to get bitter and just to guard our hearts against that because, um, it can creep in at any point, you know, at any point. And you just, described what so many of us are going through or going through right now. Uh, I appreciate you being open and honest because there's mm-hmm. so many people that will write me as soon as this thing airs that are like, this is me. She described me. Yeah. Um, has it changed you some to walk through some of this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely just, he takes care. He's just going to take care of us. You know, it, even if we weren't even sure if the right answers, the wrong answers. And also a new thing is he's going to take care of my kids. And that is definitely mm. a new, th- Alice, my oldest is just the most social bug. Like I never would have worried about her, but I have watched her struggle a little bit to find friends and we are homeschooling, which, you know, has been that challenge. It's not necessarily built in, but even, like we have neighborhood friends and things. And it's just like hard to find that one fit. And I didn't realize that we had that fit so much it just came so naturally you know so kind of just she's little so it's definitely more hard when it's older kids I'm sure but it's my first experience so I'm just like Ugh. like and Andrew I think when he has watched her like you want to be my friend what are you? <laughs> he feels bad you know he has felt bad just like right. gosh like I didn't know this we both just didn't expect you know we didn't know because it's our first time moving the kids so um but I just do see that that's getting better and God will provide the people and the community. And, and I knew that, but it's just like, I continued to learn it. Um, Mm -hmm. But one thing I was going to mention is I, I'm a songwriter. That's like something I I can't say that's my job that I've always had, but I've always done recording of some things or not, not as much recording as I want to, but I've always had that as an outlet. And I think that has like the songs that I've written are, have definitely helped me through that's just how I process and I have this one song that I wrote um called my residence and it's just about God being my home his presence being my home and so no matter where I go I just always can almost close my eyes and like find that place again and it doesn't really matter where I am and so I keep going back to that song for myself I'm grounded and rooted in him and if I move around it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. Your presence is my residence. It will always feel like home.
as you look back across the years and you have many years to go, but if you could give yourself advice uh, from year one on a first year coach's wife, what would you tell her? Well, I think that trust factor is something that I didn't realize was so important, but looking back at all the different steps, just to trust your husband and believe he has your best interest at heart. I think that is one thing that has come to mind and, um, it's sometimes hard to understand everything, but just be like, he's a good man and he has my good, my best interest at heart. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's the hours are crazy or whatever. Um, and then, especially for me, finding community, even I think, you know, I hear so many coaches, wives that have this really like this core group of coaches, wives and their staff, cause it's a big staff or whatever, but we've been at small schools and sometimes there's like one other coach's wife and maybe she works full time and it's hard for her to get to everything or whatever. And so, um, especially at the last school we were at, I definitely had great friends through the school, but that wasn't like my main source of community. And so the church ended up being my main source of community, but I would say just like find that it doesn't have to look the certain way, just find it and let people into your life and like, let them into your life. Because, and I think that's something I do have a gift for. It comes more easy for me to let, it comes easier for me to let people in. And I know that's hard, especially when you move. But for me, if I don't, then I'm just, I would rather like love than to not have loved at all sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was more challenging moving here. I feel, I still feel a little bit more gun shy. Not that I'm like scared. I'm going to. But yeah, it's, there's that fear of like, I hope I stay here forever, but I don't know that I'm going to, you know, you just don't know. So, but it's still worth it to let people in. Mm. And I think that's something that I will even make myself do if I don't always feel like doing that. It's worth it to let people in. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause a lot of times we wall mm-hmm. off going, you know, this feels unstable or what, but it, those people can really be a support to you, the local people, even though you got your mama and your sisters mm-hmm. far away, yeah. <laughs> you do need this yeah. local. Yeah. So I find this business mm-hmm. completely competitive. I mean, I feel like when there is one job open at any school, any level, you've, you're getting hundreds of applications. I don't even think it's probably decided before even the job, anyone ever applies for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. there been a job that you thought your husband would get and didn't? And what did you say to him to keep him encouraged? Well, I honestly, surprisingly, I don't think we've experienced that fully. Um, There has definitely been, you know, not where like, this is a job we want, we're going to go after. And then we lost, you know, lost to someone else. Maybe like he went after it and thought he wanted it, but through the process realized, this isn't really what I wanted. So I don't know if we've fully experienced that heartache. I didn't know as much about football at first. So I'm like, gosh, I hope he's really good at what he does. I think he's good, but you know, you just don't know. And so I remember like questioning one thing about like something that he was doing as an OC and it just like crushed him. Kind of. It just did not go well. So I was like new in that moment, like, oh God, I, this is a responsibility that I have to like really be on his team when no one else is on his team, like I have to be on his team and like speak life into him. And obviously like 
I was finding myself questioning things sometimes, but just like in those moments where he's like, I don't even know if this is worth it. I'm like, yes, it's worth it. You're called to do this until God calls us to do something else. This is what we're doing. And just kind of like, yeah, being that backbone support in those moments. You guys are incredible. I know that um, Joshua has met Coach Road and thinks the world of him. And um, I know there was something they talked about how you guys really reach out to your players. Um, what are some things that you have done in the past that have really shown them they mean a lot to your family? Well, we've always tried to have players over for dinner. Um, we'll do smaller groups because you never have like huge spaces. Um, but especially if he has like a specific position group he's coaching, we'll have four or five guys over and just kind of, kind of try to keep rotating through them. We did that a lot when we were first married, um, which was intimidating because I was like 22 and I didn't know how to cook. And he's like, oh, we're having five guys over. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't really know how to do this, but uh, you figure it out. And um, they've always been super nice about that. And then I used to make them, I feel like I would just make a pan of brownies and bring it to their position meeting. When, when we lived in a small town, we literally could walk to campus. So I would just like bring a pan of brownies over to his position meeting. So those were kind of sweet times. Mm-hmm. And obviously when you have littles and you got newborns or whatever, it's just like a little more overwhelming to have groups of people over at certain seasons, but we have just sporadically kept doing it. We just have tried to keep doing it, even if it wasn't like every week. Um, and then it's been a lot of fun having the kids a little bit older. I'm kind of like getting a taste of what I imagined it would have been like, you know, what it would mm-hmm. be like because they handed candy out for Halloween Mm-hmm. at um practice this fall and the guys just loved it you know and and when we have them over now the kids just talk their ears off like, right. you know it used to be like us trying to like make conversation if it did, and the kids just like don't stop talking they're like do you want to wrestle you know <laughs> so um, we're experiencing it's it's actually really fun it's easier to do life kind of because the kids like really kind of cushion that I guess they really do and, uh, yeah they do yeah so I think we'll continue to try to do more stuff like that it makes it easier to kind of integrate it into your life I think but well it sounds like you're pretty busy do you get any downtime I mean if not what is what's a dream day look like for you a <laughs> <laughs> dream day <laughs> um well I do love I like like writing and and I'll just go down and like piddle with the recording stuff or um yeah or just kind of play my guitar that's definitely always an outlet for me um which is nice because I can just have it at home and um and honestly like I don't have super yeah high standards I guess but (laughs) I just love like FaceTiming my family you know FaceTiming people like people that I want to reconnect with friends and that just really know me like I think especially Mm -hmm. moving and like, you're like, I love, these people are so nice, but they just still don't know me and I don't know mm-hmm. them. And I just need to talk to someone who knows me yes. and knows everything I'm, you know, whatever feeling and can relate. And so that, that's something I enjoy doing. What would you say is the most rewarding aspect to you about being a coach's wife? I think number one is just seeing those moments where Andrew's thriving and he's kind of just like, yeah, I nailed that, you know? And I know it doesn't happen all the time, but then those wins and you see like all the, the move and the hard work or whatever has happened to leading up to that, just like seeing a reward from it. And even just in the sense of just the wins, you know, and, and seeing him excited about that. Um, and then of course, having the, watching the players grow from like freshmen to seniors 
and like thinking back, like, oh, I remember having you over dinner when you were a freshman and like, man, this kid's like a different kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I really just seeing them develop and grow and just like develop that relationship with Andrew too. And maybe some of them have even like given their life over to Christ, just talking to Andrew. And it, you know, those are those special times that happen, but it definitely makes it all, makes it all worth it. And I also love seeing all kind. There's just all, no matter what school we're going to be at, you're going to have just kids from all different kinds of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I love, especially that about having my own kids, you know, being around, you're going to have different demographics and things like that within the team. And so if I feel like we're not like Iowa is not super diverse, I mean, it's just not. And so that's something that's really important to me. And we just still experience that, experience that to a certain degree on the team and, and no matter where we go. So I love that about it. Rapid fire questions. You ready? Ready. What's the last book you've read? Attributes of God by A.W. Tozer. Not a light reading, but it was really good. Coach surprises you, walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? It'd actually be an artist named Andrew Rip. He's a family friend, but we both love him. And yeah, we just like having the local, the smaller artists. We would love to go to that. What's your most impressive skill? I'd say probably writing songs. I love it. If you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? It'd be Brooke. Leagertwood from Hillsong. I love her because she's like the worship director, but she also is an artist and does her own music. So I feel like it's kind of, I kind of relate to her in that. And I would love to talk to her. Landry love, my daughter Landry loves some Hillsong. Okay. You get a night alone. What show would you binge watch? Gilmore Girls. (laughs) What's your go-to meal to cook? Go ahead. Yeah. Tell me about your, your show. No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's that's it. That's it. Um, my go-to meal to cook, uh, tacos. If it's the kids always and like grilled chicken, baked sweet potatoes and roasted broccoli. I don't know why, but that is, that's our, that's my go-to if it's like an adult meal. That's really healthy. That's why you're look like a mom. I know. Right. Not, I'm not that healthy. It did not sound, I'm not that healthy. <laughs> You're like five, ten, a hundred pounds. Like I. <laughs> I know, I know. What sport can you beat Coach Rody in? Well, in college, I could shoot. I could do a shootout in basketball for sure. I mean, he could clearly probably body me up and whatever. But um, so in college basketball, now probably nothing unless it's like a card game or something. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing non-tech you can't live without? I have to have deep conversations with people. <laughs> mm, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. If you had a superpower, what would that be? Probably to fly because then I can just, it would just make life simpler be able to see family for a day or see friends and do that play date or yeah. connect with those people and then come back. And down to Memphis. Andrew, you know, That's right. Just yeah. fly back home. Yeah, go on down to Memphis. <laughs> I'll meet you there. Okay, what would be your walk-up song? <laughs> I don't know. This is a hard one, but I walked down the aisle to a song from the movie Gladiator. It's like a very tribal instrumental, and mm-hmm. I think that describes. I just get really fired up by like these like tribal songs. So I don't really have a specific name, but something like that. I like it. Very cool. Thank you so much, Joy, for sharing with us. This was so awesome. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. For a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit CoachesWifeLife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.